Welcome to Naturally Well, a podcast to help you live a healthier and happier life with a Nordic twist. I'm your host, Kate Turner, registered dietitian, personal trainer, Nordic Naturals nutrition specialist, and owner of Live Well with Kate. Today's guest is Maggie Koder Ali. Maggie is a passionate mom of two and a registered dietitian. Her love for health and nutrition grew even more after realizing the significant need there was for education and support for new moms. After having her first son and going back to work, Maggie started to look for resources that could help her navigate ways to eat healthy and exercise while maintaining a 40 plus hour work week and being a parent. She quickly learned very few resources existed, which is why she created her private practice specializing in supporting working moms. Maggie teaches her clients tools and tactics for achieving a healthy diet, fitting in exercise without it requiring too much of their time. Maggie has a bachelor's degree in public health from the University of Louisville and a master's degree in nutrition science from Indiana University. She later completed her dietetic internship at the University of Kentucky Hospital. Maggie lives in Indiana with her husband, Zach, and her two sons, Sloan and Zane, and their two Irish setters, Bobby and Sully. You can find Maggie on Instagram and follow her day-to-day mom tips at Working Mom Nutrition and Roots Reboot. In this episode, Maggie shares her own experience transitioning into motherhood and how you can prioritize your health as a new mom in a realistic and attainable way. But above all else, she teaches us to give ourselves some grace. We discuss what types of foods to focus on during the postpartum phase and what to keep in mind when people ask you what food they can bring you while ordering takeout and what to stock your fridge with. The postpartum phase can be extremely difficult and if we can find small ways to prioritize ourselves and our health as moms, it can make us feel like us again, even if just for a moment. Maggie, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you on. It's so good to connect to you again. I feel like I haven't gotten to see your face in a while, except for on stories, which I follow you religiously. And for any moms out there, I highly recommend that you follow Maggie. Um, you bring such a realistic, not even approach to motherhood, but you're just a hundred percent real, which I, I love. There is that. no like oh, my life is perfect over here. And I got my kids. It's like, no, this is what's really going on. This is how I really handle it. Um, And I love that about you. So thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. I appreciate that so much. And people tell me that all the time and it's not intentional, but it makes me wonder what are other people sharing? You know what I mean? Like, this is just my life. This is just my messy very messy life. And, um, motherhood is literally the reason I started sharing. I was like, I was looking for companionship. So I'm glad people seem to enjoy it and resonate with it. It makes me happy that they do. Yeah, no, you're definitely touching a lot of people. And that's actually, I would love magic. I just love to start off with every guest asking them, you know, can you share a little bit more about your journey and how and when you grew to be passionate about nutrition, wellness, and then, you know, how that changed once you became a mom? Yeah. I mean, gosh, I've been doing nutrition for such a long time at this point. Um, it almost, it almost seems like an afterthought. I forget a lot of times that what I know isn't necessarily common knowledge. And you can probably relate because you are a yep. dietitian as well. Um, I, I'm just going to say it. I'm 35 years old. I can't believe I'm 35 years old um, because I've been doing this. I've been passionate and investing in nutrition and learning about it since I was literally 18. Um, so my mom had a heart attack when I was 18 or 19 years old. I can't quite remember the specifics, but I was a freshman in college when it happened And at the time I had no idea what I was going to study. I had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up, but I did always know I liked nutrition. I liked food. I don't know if you ever, did you ever watch 2020 growing up, you know, like ABC Uh and I remember they would do random segments like 2020 with Barbara Walters. (laughs) I remember this specifically, but, um, I remember they would do random segments on food. And I remember seeing like, they would do random things with food scientists and they would show the food scientists in the lab and they would talk about food. And I always had a natural interest in that when I saw it, but it never clicked when I was a kid watching these shows, like, Oh, you could do that. You could do food for a living. You know what I mean? 
Um, I didn't know at the time, at the time, you know, food scientists existed. I didn't know dietitians existed. And so when my mom had her heart attack and then also learned that she was a type two diabetic, her blood sugar was in the four hundreds. Um, that's when this whole world opened up for me because my mom is uh, Palestinian or Palestinian, but she speaks fluent Arabic, reads fluent Arabic. So English is definitely her second language. So when she had to go to various classes prescribed by her doctor to learn about nutrition and how to manage her blood sugar, I would go with her because I was basically like her uh, translator. I, even though she could, she understands English, I would be there to take notes to help her absorb the knowledge and then reiterate it at home. And so I remember there was a class of, I want to say pre-pharmacy or pharmacy students who taught this nutrition course. I know it seems odd because they're a pharmacy, but it did make sense at the time. Um, they were from Purdue University, which we both know is a fantastic university. And I remember that was my first taste of nutrition. They taught my mom and this class of people all about the pancreas and blood sugar and how the food you eat impacts those things. And my mind was blown. It, it it changed everything. And so at the time in college, I was studying education. I thought maybe I'll just be a teacher. Maybe I will be a health teacher because I knew I liked health. And, and that was the, that was like my aha moment. I was like, I'm going to be a registered dietitian. This is somehow between these pharmacy students, I like realized I didn't want to be a pharmacist, but I do want to be a dietitian. And that was the very beginning of me realizing I want I want to help people like my mom and transitioning into today. This is actually something I just recently realized when I was talking to a client of mine, she was telling me she likes my teaching style. She likes the modules that I make for my clients, these nutrition models. And she said, the reason why she likes me is because what did she say? She said, I talked to the blue collar folks is what she said. And she likes, she said it and she laughed and she didn't mean to be insulting. And I don't think it, it's not insulting, but what she was trying to say is I talk to your everyday people who don't have a nutrition background. And the reason why I really do believe a big reason why that is, is because I remember nurses and doctors talking to my parents who have English as a second language, who have literally no health education whatsoever. And so I see these people basically talking at my parents, not talking to them, not meeting them where they are. And that's when I realized if I'm going to be able to teach people, if I'm going to be able to connect with people, I have to meet them where they are. And the reality is most people aren't at that organic level. They're not at, you know, this acai bowl. Like I just came back from vacation. So I'm thinking of those things that we had there. They're not there yet. They're at the, like when I'm at my oncology clinic where I work day to day, they're at the little Debbie's they're at the, they drink big reds, which is like a local drink. I don't know if that's in California, but they're drinking sodas basically. And so you have to meet people where they are. And a big part of how I teach and how I resonate with people and with moms is I show those everyday moments of what I've learned is extreme relatability. Um, so I hope, I hope you were able to follow along with that. And by all means, ask me any questions when it comes to anything. No, totally. And I completely agree. I mean, that's like, it's just the best way to describe you. Maggie is relatable. Um, no, but thanks for sharing that story about your mom. Cause it's true. And it's, you know, it's our job to take the complicated science and put it in layman's terms so yes. everyone can understand it. And that, what I love is like, I find it hits the mark for everyone. So even someone who has like zero nutrition knowledge, right? You're meeting them there. But then even for like, like I always have them like, that's how you should speak to the doctors too as well though. Because a lot of the times, like we all need repetition. We all need reminders of things, but nobody is ever not going to understand something when you bring it down to that base level and then you can build off of it. Yes. Um, so I love that. I'm so glad you brought that up. Oh, now I'm curious though, how was your transition into motherhood with your oldest son Sloan? Like, did it take you a bit to find ways? Yeah. To start prioritizing your own health mm -hmm. and like, 
you know, there's like also that big shift and change from like, I mean, I definitely mourned my old life. Yes, we all <laughs> Like do. I really it's mourned normal. the fact that like I could go to the gym by myself <laughs> at any time I wanted to. Yes, it is um, real. I feel so like we were probably how, yeah. very similar in how we were. Oh, yeah. I don't, you didn't know me pre-kids, but I knew you mm. pre your baby yeah. boy. Uh-huh. And so I remember watching your stories on Instagram thinking I can relate to that because I used to be that way. Minus yep. the beach because you lived by the beach. <laughs> and I envied those morning walks that you would take on the beach. Um, so pre-motherhood, I, so when my mom had a heart attack, my dad also had a heart attack and is also diabetic. So a lot there, right? So a big part of my motivation as a younger person was I want to take care of my health and I want to do everything I can to not become diabetic and to not have a heart attack because there's genetic factors involved in that as well. Um, and I also had gestational diabetes with both my pregnancies. And I remember people said, you're the healthiest person I know. How do you have diabetes? But there is genetics involved. There's predispositions involved depending on how your mom ate, you know, when she was pregnant with you. And so that was frustrating, but it is reality. And so my big motivator um, was, I don't want to be taking all the medications that they take. I want to be healthy. And so as a younger person, I took that motivation and I ran with it. I got my first gym membership. I lived and breathed the gym. I love the gym. That's where I met my husband and working out together was something we loved to do. Um, and that's also when I started obviously studying nutrition and I just became very, very independent. And I took my health in my own hands as a kid-free younger person. And, and kind of like you were saying, being able to go to the gym whenever I wanted to, when I was in college, I would spend hours on a treadmill just walking while studying because I thought to myself, well, if I'm going to be sitting here for a long time reading a textbook, I might as well be walking and moving. So I always had these thoughts in my head of, how can I be healthy? How can I keep moving? I always had some sort of health goal in mind. Um, I used to be an avid runner. I would sign up for races all the time and just follow the training schedule to a T because when you're kid-free, you can go outside and go for a run. And these are things that don't even cross your mind when you are a kid-free person. You don't realize the luxury of your life. And that's not to shame kid-free people. That's amazing. Like, do it, live it, thrive, you know, take a nap, <laughs> take a nap for sure. Um, I will say my husband and I chose to have children later in life, uh, versus a lot of my friends had kids really young and that's just not what I wanted to do. We knew, cause I, I'm the youngest of six. And so I knew seeing from my siblings, like I don't want to have kids yet. I remember thinking Zach and I would talk about how let's be selfish. Let's do selfish things. Let's uh, take trips and do the things. And I don't mean, I feel like people hear the word selfish and they, they associate something negative with it, but we knew we wouldn't have been able to travel the way we did and live the lifestyle we did had we had kids earlier. And so I don't regret, I don't regret anything, honestly, as far as how we lived our lives. And when we chose to have children, I was 31, I think when my first son was born. And I, and I don't, I don't know if that's normal or abnormal to some people listening to this, but I, I will say in the community I live in, it wasn't necessarily the norm is people were having kids like 24 as young as that. Um, and so when I became a mom, I almost, I remember being upset that nobody warned me that you would mourn your own life, your old life. And, and I, and that sounds so dramatic to mourn your old life. But I just, I know a lot of times when I'm meeting new moms or pregnant moms, I, I don't want to say too much because I don't want to be negative. But at the same time, I do feel like conversations like we're having right now is so important so that you can prepare yourself. And so personally, that's what I'm doing on my Instagram stories and on my platform is I'm just being honest with what your life is going to look like. And when I work with clients who are pregnant or not pregnant, I'm basically helping them navigate, okay, this is what you used to do. This is what you love. Let's figure out how you can do that now as a mom. And so after I became a mom, I don't know if you know this, but I had postpartum depression. And I think a big part of that postpartum depression was mourning my old life, mourning that independence that I had, that ability to come and go and focus on my health and fitness um, was gone. So 
after I climbed my way out of postpartum depression, and that's like a whole other conversation, um, that's when I realized I feel best when I am being selfish. And I don't mean that in like a dirty word, selfish kind of way. I feel best when I am prioritizing my health. Um, I don't think Maggie, I think I'm just going to stop. I think we all do. Yes. Like that's not being selfish. Like we all need me time and you have to prioritize that me time. So how did you figure out how to do that? Um, I, well, after going through postpartum depression and realizing a big part of it was not prioritizing me time, I would feel extreme guilt if I did go to the gym. I would feel and and leave my baby at home, especially after working, you know, a full-time job that's outside of the home, whereas now I work um, from home and outside of the home. So it is a little different. I would, I thought to myself, how could I possibly go to the gym after work knowing I only have a couple of hours with my baby? But the thing is, something I've learned is babies have no concept of time. They don't know how long you've been gone. Like for example, to record this podcast, I took my son to daycare for a couple of hours. I will get him as soon as we are done. Um, but he doesn't know he's going to be napping anyways, you know? Um, and these are things that I wish other moms would have maybe told me or enlightened me. And a couple of things I did to start prioritizing my health, even though I will always prefer a gym. I love the environment of a gym. I remember Zach and I used to go to the gym and I'd walk in and it was like, I, I don't know. I don't know if anybody will resonate with this. Maybe they will. But I remember walking in thinking this is like the biggest playground. Like I just love working out. I've always said I feel like me when I'm working out, when I'm when I'm at my most fit stages of life. I love muscles. I love when they're exposed, basically, it feels good. And when you become a mom like me, I became really soft and mushy and large and, and finding my way back to any type of fitness took me a a long time. And now that I'm in my second round of postpartum, it's not taking me nearly as long because since I've done it before, I know what to do. I know what it looks like. I know what's okay and what's not okay. And to not feel guilty and that sort of thing. I've also learned, um, is as far as like actually being technical with the house, I started working out at home more. Mm. Um, it's not as fun, admittedly that energy, because I, I'm a morning workout kind of girl. I used to go to the gym at like, I don't know, 5am, which meant waking up at four 30. And when I wake up now, early to work out, it's not necessarily as enjoyable because I am alone because there's something to walking into a gym and being surrounded by other the energy, crazy and people, feed, yeah. like feeding off of other it's people. Just like it's all of a sudden yeah. you're awake because you're mm-hmm. like, Oh wait, other people do this too. Even <laughs> though other people work out in the morning at home, there's something to being around people, but there's a give and take. I want to be fit. I want to be healthy. I need that me time. So it's not as great as being at the gym like the old days, but it's still something. It's still that me time. It's still me taking care of my health. It was, so I remember um, when I was postpartum the first time, something I searched for for a long time was health tips and tricks, hacking lunches, all the things. How do you do it as a working mom? And that is where my Instagram name came from, Work Mom Nutrition, because Hey, I don't know if you've ever searched those types of things after you became a mom as well, but a lot of what I was finding was tips on stuff for the stay-at-home mom. And there's absolutely no shame with being a stay-at-home mom. Those moms who stay at home are working really hard. I tell you what, because I have a four-year-old and that's a whole other ball game to keep him entertained and educated. I'd rather, let's just say I'd rather be working. (laughs) Yes. Being a stay-at-home mom is hard. Okay. So I just want to be clear that everybody knows I am team stay-at-home mom. But realistically though, I am a working mom. I do work outside of the home. Um, And right now I work outside of the home three days of the week at home two days of the week, simply because of the pandemic. uh, Because I also teach at a university. And as soon as um, the spring semester comes, I will be working outside of the home five days a week again. And so early in my postpartum journey, I was looking for 
how do other working moms do it? I would look on YouTube. I'd look online. I'd look on Instagram. Like I just wanted some inspiration. Like somebody show me what they're doing. Like, when do you wake up? When, what do you eat for breakfast? How do you pack your lunch? And I'm like, after a while, I'm like, this doesn't exist. You're laughing. And I'm like, I'm wondering, you're laughing. Cause like, are you thinking the same thing? Like, did you have a similar experience? Well, it's like, how can one, I'm more so thinking like, how can that not exist? I mean, luckily, like I, I work from home. So I have a little bit more, well, actually it's still tough because it's like, it's one of those things magic where it almost like you have to think ahead when you're going outside of the home about your meals. Now I have learned, I still have to do that. But before I'd be like, oh, you just, you know, you whip something up at that time. (laughs) Yeah, not so easy. You need to plan it out. So now it's like, you know, I do have the luxury of, and they do have great ones that like turn off and stuff. So for anyone that is leaving outside the home, but like, um, I use my crock pot daily pretty much. Mm -hmm. I, you know, where it's like just something's already sitting there and it can just be pulled off. And it's like, yes, that's lunch and dinner. Um, so it was those things, but it's just, I was more so laughing at the fact that like, it's just crazy how that doesn't exist. And you do such a good job, Maggie. And I like, I agree with you and I'm so glad we caught you after baby number two, because it is like you feet, you've done it before. And now you can kind of like, I don't want to say perfect it. Cause it's not about perfection, but like you can tweak what you did before and make yeah. it work better for you. So like, I'm curious what you found that you're now doing, like the best tips for people. Cause I definitely found, found it so hard. And as a dietitian, as knowing what I should be doing when I had Connor, I mean, I was definitely, I was mourning my old life for a while. And I also had like some physical stuff going on that was really bothering me. And my nutrition was lacking. I was fortunate that my husband is a great cook, loves to cook. So he would make meals as he could, but he was also exhausted too. Like, you know, you're both in the thick of it in the beginning stages. And so like, I found myself, which not, not there's anything bad, but it was like, okay. A snack was like, you know, a grass fed beef stick because I could eat it while I was breastfeeding. Like I would have oatmeal for dinner. A lot of the time breakfast would sometimes get skipped, but also while, you know, if you're breastfeeding or even if you're not, you're also really hungry all the time. And, and so really you just, thirsty. Yes. And so thirsty. So you're just constantly like when you, and we all know when we're really hungry, we don't make the best decisions. And usually it's our blood sugars are low. So we're like craving carbs and you're just going for anything you can. But my nutrition definitely fell short for a while. Um, and I was like mad at myself and part of it too. Like I had this whole grand plan of like, oh, I'm going to make all these frozen meals before my baby comes. But we moved into our new house a month before Connor came. My husband had hip surgery. He had a hip replacement two weeks before Connor came. And I also got stung by a jellyfish in the midst of it, but it was like pretty bad. <laughs> oh my god! So there were there were zero meals being made. We like barely had furniture, and yeah, that didn't happen. So you know, we luckily did have some people drop things off, and you know, people sending. If you don't know what to send someone when they just send had a baby. Food. Yep. I was going to say, and if you can't give them food, send them a Grubhub or DoorDash gift card. Like uh-huh. it's the best thing ever. My family and all my friends were amazing for that. But you also get to a point too, where like you don't want to eat out anymore, or at least that's how I felt because we weren't used to eating that way. We were used to cooking. Yeah. So it was really tough for me. And I will say like, after Maggie, you had Zane, your, your second child, I was watching you and I was like, oh, geez, like I just got really put together. Like I was nowhere near <laughs> I that. I promise you I don't. After I had Connor, like I'm over here eating beef sticks and oatmeal <laughs> every day because I don't know what else to eat and I don't have time to go to the grocery. That was the other thing. I like could not leave the house. There was I something about it. Store. I couldn't leave the house. the house. Oh yeah, I couldn't. Yep. I couldn't leave the baby. So... And I don't know too, this is like my own control stuff, but like my husband would be totally fine at the grocery store on his own. He goes there a lot, Mm -hmm. 
but the grocery store was like my thing that I liked to do. So it was like, no, but you wouldn't know what to get. I don't, you know, you're also just like a hot mess after sometimes. Um, but this is so relatable. (laughs) I'm so glad, but I'm curious, like how this time around with your second son, like what things did you prioritize and how did you make nutrition a priority, not even nutrition meals, I want to say like, yes, we want to try and get healthier, but it's really also just about getting like some food in your body, but also food that's going to support, you know, if you are breastfeeding, but also healing and making sure it's not just like all carbs, right. Or, and also you're going to be hungry an hour later if it is. So how did you find time? Like, how did you navigate all that? So that's a lot. That's a big question because there's a lot of things that impact other things in that question. Um, The second time around, I will say just starting out, I gave myself so much more grace. I think when you go from no baby to one baby, I can't speak for all moms speaking for myself. And then hopefully anybody who hears this, who can relate, you go from being your body focused to like, oh, I have a baby now. You know what I mean? Um, and so I remember after my first was born, you, I had this sense of appreciation for my body that I'd never had before. And, and it was so much more than how my physique looked because before children, I was really, really focused on what size I was, um, how close fit? Did I have visible abs? Which now when I think about it is so vain, but I also don't want to shame anybody who's in that phase of life because it is a phase of life for many people. Um, so when my first was born, you know, my hips were bigger. I had a huge belly still. I didn't know I'd still have a huge belly postpartum. And after my first was born, I didn't really document much. And I regretted that a lot, which is why I chose to document a lot with my second. Because after my first, I remember, you know, months and years going by thinking, I have no idea how long it took my belly to to shrink back. I didn't know that it was my uterus shrinking back rather than just abdominal fat. You know, you asked, you know, what was one thing I'm doing now that I didn't do before? I'm focusing on my core. Um, nobody taught me after my first son, how important it is to train your TVA and your pelvic floor to prevent health problems later or how to properly exercise. Um, I gave my, I'm giving myself grace this time around as far as losing the baby weight. Whereas the first time around, I was so obsessed with, I got to lose the weight. I got to get back into my pre-baby pants. Whereas now I'm like, it will happen. It will happen. I realize now my baby is only going to be a baby for a very short amount of time. So rather than wasting my time obsessing over the perfect diet, the perfect exercise regimen, I just want to be present with my baby. And that mindset has helped me tremendously. And so a big part of that mindset is I'm not spending too much time focusing on the perfect diet or counting macros or calories or anything like that. Rather, I am making sure I at least have nutrient dense foods in my house. And so a lot of my friends, my coworkers, for example, gave me a meal train. So every week or so our friends brought us food or our family brought us food. And this is really funny. I am a vegetarian, a pescatarian, and my coworkers, I work in Southern Indiana. So let's just set the stage. Southern Indiana is a very country and um, meat and potatoes kind of diet. And that is not me. I'm Palestinian. I grew up, even though I grew up in this area, I would, I love to say like, when you walk into my mom and dad's house, you were walking into Palestine. Like we did not have meat and potatoes. We had your traditional Middle Eastern colorful dishes um, that have meat, but are predominantly plant forward. And so my coworkers who I love so much, they were like, they were wanting to give me food, but they had no idea. They're like, we don't know what to feed you. Um, from a pescatarian standpoint and from a Middle Eastern standpoint, they're like, we don't know what to do. So they actually said, please give us a list of places you like to eat from. Please give us recipes. And I actually really appreciated that because my first son, 
I feel like all we got was lasagna. We got just (laughs) so many frozen trays of lasagna. And as delicious as that is, I was really tired of lasagna after a couple of weeks. So something that new moms can do is speak up because the people who want to help you They truly do want to help you. They want to cook for you. They want to bring you food and be helpful. Um, And so if they're asking, you know, what can I bring you? Be honest. Say, I'd love a salad. I did that several times. Um, I'd love a salad. Bring me a salad and all the fixings and I'll throw it together myself. Or um, I really, we have a restaurant here called Core Life. It's a very healthy, like fast food type of place. And I said, you know what? If you could just grab me a Caesar salad from Core Life, great. So don't hesitate to be vocal about your needs. Um, it also makes it easier for the person providing you the food. Like they yes. just want to know mm-hmm. what to get you to yeah. They're It's not fun for them to spend an hour trying to figure out what to make you. Yeah, exactly. I remember asking for, you know, bring me things I can eat one handed because when you are nursing and you're in that new baby stage, you don't have both hands necessarily. And so I remember I don't enter the beef hot. sticks, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I lived off of Fig Newton bars, but not the Fig Newton brand, the some other like healthier version of a Fig yeah. Newton, basically, because those bars were like 200 calories and whole grain. Are the ingredients perfect? Absolutely not. But I was like, right now in this phase of life, this is the best I can do, you know? And I knew if I didn't eat that 200 calorie bar, I wasn't going to get anything for hours. And so having one handed snacks was a game changer. My friends bought me bottles of water. That in itself was helpful because I remember waking up in the middle of the night, just being so insatiably thirsty. Um, one thing I love is daily harvest at the time when I was pregnant, I had daily harvest smoothies just stocked in my freezer because I was I'm just, I guess the common theme here is I'm really thirsty. And so when I was pregnant, I was, I, all I wanted was smoothies because I wanted to quench that thirst. But what's really great about daily harvest foods, if you've never heard of it, is they have, um, vegan pre-made healthy meals that are single serve. So that was incredible for me. So I, I will say some people would see, you know, in my stories, I post these beautiful meals And I would think, well, don't give me credit. I didn't, all I did was microwave it. You know, Daily Harvest is amazing for for those quick, convenient types of meals that are nutrient dense, you know, plant forward and convenient. And so I purposely stocked up on those types of foods so that I could have something nutritious during that phase of life that I couldn't cook. Um, But, you know, that's also a privilege thing as well. Like Daily Harvest does have costs. Not everybody can afford something like that, but that's not to say you can't go to your local grocery store and buy meals that are very similar. Like another product I love that's convenient, that is accessible to everybody are Amy's burritos or Amy's products. She's another good like plant-based brand that uses really good ingredients that all you have to do is microwave. So the microwave and I became really close in my postpartum phase. And, um, another thing that most people don't think about is Fruits and vegetables don't require cooking. A lot don't require cooking. So I would do a lot of bell peppers, a lot of cucumbers, a lot of carrots, and I would just eat them raw. Um, I know a lot of people might think you just eat raw vegetables, but some raw vegetables are actually really, really tasty. Yeah, you can put like a dollop of hummus on there. You know what I mean? Like just make it nice for yourself. And you know, I was thinking, Magic, because I saw like a couple times you were having time to like prep some things for either whether it was lunch that day or for lunch and dinner. Did you find like something I've just been thinking about, you know, when it's round two for us is, okay. So typically, right. Baby eats every two to three hours. Mm -hmm. It usually takes about 45 minutes to eat. So it's not like, you know, that's a big misconception too. I think a lot of women think they're going to have like that two to three hours to themselves. I'm like, "Eh, not so much, Um, but you do usually have maybe a 40 minute window after they eat and then your next time feeding again or whatever it is. So I was thinking about like, okay, trying to make like even just one of those time slots, meal prep time slots. Right. Cause you're usually doing a lot and like, maybe you can have, if you do have someone helping you that day, they can be 
washing the bottle or whatever you need them to do that you would normally be doing that during that time. And the other slots, if you're sleeping, whatever you need to do, but just picking one time where the baby's napping. This is again in my head, if I think it's doable, but I was curious because I saw you having some time to meal prep and make, or make a salad really quick when Zane was sleeping. Mm -hmm. How did you find your groove with that? Um, well, there was no groove. <laughs> so let me just be clear. Like, I think a big reason why a lot of women get hung up is because they are looking for a groove. They are looking for some sort of routine. And that yeah. first new baby phase of life, like routine doesn't exist. And, mm. and I'm a person that thrives on routine. And so accepting that, knowing that going into it, that you really have to do become like a go with the flow kind of person. And motherhood has full blown made me a go with the flow kind of person when I, I would say I probably was far from that before becoming a mom. Before becoming a mom, I was probably, you could consider me very type A. Now I like to say I am definitely a B plus because you have to be go with the flow. And so I remember there would be so many times when Zane was, you know, just a couple of weeks old, I'm trying to make a salad and he would wake up to cry. He would wake up and wanting to feed. And so I remember there would be times it would take me over an hour to make a salad, a, a, a salad kit, you know, because there was, Lord, I was not buying fresh kale and fresh lettuce and chopping it and washing it myself. I was buying the pre-made salad kits because I needed somebody else to do all of that for me. I needed it to be washed for me. Um, but some things that I did do as far as cooking ahead of time is I would take advantage of my husband being home or maybe my mother-in-law being around because she was extremely, she is extremely helpful for us. Um, and that's when I would maybe cook some, something. So some things that I do cook on repeat is spaghetti squash because it's easy and it, you, you can get a lot of volume. So whenever I'm cooking anything, I'm looking for things with a lot of volume because I don't want to have to cook a lot. And um, my counterpart, Taylor at Roots Reboot, she, she'll comment on the fact that I eat the same things a lot. And I said, it's because I'm a mom. Like, this is easy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't have time to get creative in the kitchen like I used to. Because before being a mom, I loved trying new recipes. I loved getting creative and, and just figuring things out. I don't have that time anymore. I work too much, um, to do that sort of thing. And so what I do do, what I have found is easy is like, I have a couple of recipes that I love that I enjoy. And so they're just staples in my life. Um, for example, I make, um, a Mediterranean salmon dish. It takes a maximum of 10 minutes to assemble. That's that is my that's perfect. That's my secret, right? I look yeah. for things that are easy, that taste good, and don't require a ton of time or ingredients. Um, I make vegetarian tacos all the time. The reason why I love my taco mix is because I can make it into a taco, into a burrito. I make it into breakfast tacos, and it's easy to make in bulk and freeze. And I just take I was the just going to say that, Maggie, bulk and freeze. Like mm -hmm. whatever you're making, make double. Yep. And using like with your spaghetti squash, using those no hand appliances, the yes. oven, the crock pot, mm -hmm. um, the air fryer, we've oh, been cooking fryer. our salmon 10 minutes in the air fryer. I don't yeah. have to touch it. I mean, same mm -hmm. with the oven too, if you're doing yeah. the oven. I like to um, broil my salmon, but yeah, yeah. I, I, what I love about spaghetti squash is you can actually, um, bake your spaghetti squash, you can do a couple out of time, which is really nice because spaghetti squash can be good in your fridge cooked for a couple of days, which yep. is nice because it's high in volume, low in calorie, but really high in nutrition. And I use it as a base for everything. I think a lot of people hear spaghetti squash and they immediately think, oh, just spaghetti and meatballs. No, you can literally use it as a vehicle for any dish, which is why my go-to is always going to be something Mediterranean or Mexican because those are just my preferred styles of cooking or flavors. Yeah. Um, other things that I do um, here recently, I made chili and it's just another easy one. You chop up a, a bunch of vegetables and you make it in bulk, but hey, here's another tip. Don't chop up a bunch of vegetables. No, buy the frozen veggies. Yeah, yes. or pre-chopped oh, or buy. Pre that's what one thing I always will keep frozen veggies stocked because I'm like, one, they will never go bad because I can't tell you the pain I feel when food goes bad in my fridge and I have to throw yeah. it out. Um, but also 
they're oftentimes more fresh. They're cheaper too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you can just either throw them on a saute pan really quick, throw them right into a hot meal, put them in the microwave. There's just so many easy ways. And that fiber in those vegetables is going to give you that bulk to help keep you yes. full. Yes. Um, it's the volume. I love yeah, the volume. Exactly. Food. Like you said, it's so, it's so true. Now, I want to run through like, so I feel like Maggie, this is like almost every day for me postpartum, but let's say it's like, you're completely exhausted. You have no energy or feel like you have time to prepare a meal. When we say like, what do we do then? Like a lot of the times it is like, okay, maybe I'll order out. I'll try to throw something together. But if we're ordering takeout, what should we and what should postpartum moms be focusing on? Ooh, uh, that's super easy. Like trying, opinion. like trying to get in their in their meals, you know, because obviously you can order from a variety of places. Something I would say that a lot of people I think really, really need to hear is just because you're getting takeout or going to a sit-in restaurant or something like that. I think a lot of people have it in their heads. Oh, this is my treat. This is my cheat meal. This is, I'm just going to, this restaurant's really known for X, Y, and Z. I'm going to order that. If you're a person who's eating out often or relying on takeout or Grubhub or something like that often, you really, really have to get that mindset out of your brain. You really have to start looking at food as a fuel source. Yes, you want it to taste good, but if you are relying on someone else to prepare your meals often, you really have to get in the habit of, ordering a salad instead of fries, getting a fruit cup instead of something else, um, getting grilled chicken instead of fried chicken. Like, again, to me, this is common sense, but I'm learning by just working with clients and stuff that it's not necessarily common sense. Um, Making sure you're not getting, you know, anything fried. Like one of my clients here recently said she loves, you know, the fried onion rings at some particular restaurant. That's not good for you. That's not low in calorie. It's high in saturated fat. It can contribute to heart disease. So you really have to be aware of your choices. If something you're eating makes you feel kind of terrible and bloated and just yucky, it's probably not good food for you. But things that are cooked um, using fresh ingredients that haven't been fried, that have been maybe grilled or broiled are going to be better for you. So depending on the restaurant you're choosing, if there's a vegetable option, if there is a fruit option, if there's a grilled option, always go for that versus something that's dredged dredged in heavy sauces or is deep fried or anything like that. Yeah, no. And I think one thing I've been trying to introduce to a lot of post part of moms I work with too, is it's not even just about how that food is going to maybe make your stomach feel or how good it's going to taste while you're eating it, but then maybe not after, but also, I mean, thinking about also the mind gut connection, postpartum is really tough on us mentally. And we want to make sure too, that we're fueling our gut with things that are also going to be supportive of our mental health. Because that's what I found was the hardest part of postpartum was just how you're feeling mentally. And I mean, it's definitely, it's a grind and it's hard right after. And so even thinking about that, considering that, and like you said, Maggie, using food to fuel you as I think one of the best things, and I'm sure we can agree drinking lots and lots of water Water, is a big one as well. Um, And I mean, I'm sure we could go on and on and on, um, but unfortunately we have to wrap up. But is there anything, Maggie, that we didn't cover that you think should be on women's list to consider to prioritize during that postpartum phase that we didn't cover? Yes. A big thing to consider is this phase of life, the fourth trimester, you know, that first couple of weeks to first couple of months postpartum is easily one of the most challenging phases of your life. And I don't say that to be pessimistic or make you dread it. It's more so to prepare you and to know that it is only a phase. This is not the phase of life for you to quote unquote bounce back. Um, This is not going to be the phase of life that you're going to feel particularly put together. (laughs) You're not necessarily going to feel your best physically when you see yourself in the mirror. And that's okay. One thing I did 
uh, postpartum was I really tried on the days that I could was to simply do my hair and makeup just to make myself feel a little bit better about myself. It's not a have to, but it was something I did that I felt like I could control um, that didn't have to do with my body, you know, and, and didn't have to do with a tiny human. And it made me, when I looked in the mirror, I was like, oh, there she is. You know, I recognize her. Um, but that this phase of life is hard. So give yourself so much grace in all aspects. Nobody expects you to be a perfect person. You're not going to be a perfect mom. You're not going to perfectly eat healthy. And I think that's something a lot of women need to understand is it's okay to not have a perfect diet. I remember at one point during Zane's first couple of weeks, I hadn't eaten all day. And the only thing I could find in my pantry at the time that was one-handed was my son's Rice Krispie treat. You better believe I ate it because I was starving. (laughs) And, And so that's what I mean when I say to give yourself grace but don't be scared to ask for help. Don't be scared to ask for help as far as your, do your friends want to bring you food? Do your friends want to come over and let you take a nap? Um, do your friends want to come over and just hang out with you and let you kind of t- kind of talk? Because I, I talk to so many new moms and they always want to portray this image of, oh, I'm fine. I'm great. I don't have any postpartum depression. That's so great, but it's also great if you do. It's it's also great if you are struggling. It's not great, let me rephrase. It's okay to be those things. It's okay to not, not have your stuff together because you're figuring it out. Um, so my big take-home message is give yourself grace and know that this is a phase of life and you will figure it out and that there's lots of people like us who want to help you. So please don't be a stranger and reach out. Like my direct messages in my Instagram is full of women who just, they need help on mom stuff. I have, I had a person message me yesterday about her daycare. She doesn't feel like it's doing that great of a job. And she literally said, and I, and I was so honored. She was like, I didn't know who else to ask. And I don't know this person. She lives in Ohio. How amazing is that, that she reached out to me because she knew I would be honest and, you know, hopefully helpful for her. So please reach out to anybody that you think would be helpful and, and you'll get through it. Oh, Maggie, that's great. And that's the best piece of advice. I mean, that was what I just kept telling myself, like, this is temporary. This phase is temporary. I still tell myself this phase (laughs) is temporary when I have to chase Connor around to put his diaper on because he won't let me put him on his changing table. Yeah. So yeah, lots of phases. And yeah, that, that was some, that was a message that definitely got me through stuff. And now looking back, you're like, yeah, it really is temporary. Like that was just like a two week phase that was, but it seems so much longer when you're in it and just know it will get better and you will will. feel better. And you may be wishing for like, now that my son's running around, I'm like, can you go back to being a baby where you just lay there, please? Yes. That's what I would like. So (laughs) I never understood it when my sister came and she's like, and she had two toddlers at the time. And she's like, Oh, it's so nice. He just lays there. And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm a mess. Like this is awful. He doesn't sleep. Like, (laughs) (laughs) but it's a thing. They don't move. My son is six months or almost six months and he is on the verge of being mobile. And that is like, that's a whole new chapter of motherhood. Um, Another thing I will say is moms reach out to other moms. Nobody expects you to know all the answers and the likelihood of you talking to another mom who's been through it, who can relate, who can give you words of wisdom, not advice, just like sharing stories sometimes and knowing that you're not drowning alone. Sometimes that can just be extremely helpful. It makes you feel so good. Just to be open and share, like even magic when you were saying like, oh, I don't know. It's not great if you have postpartum, but what is great is sharing. If you're going through something, it makes you feel so much better. It's like sharing your feelings. I mean, I know when I go to therapy every other week, I feel great after because I just got a lot off my chest. Right. So no, that's fabulous advice. Um, so to wrap up every episode, Maggie, we do a little rapid fire Q and a just for our guests to get to know you better. So first thing that comes to mind, what is your favorite de-stressing practice or tool? Oh, my favorite de-stressing practice or tool, honestly, is being alone. I really, really like being alone um, and, and having just minimal sounds. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm overstimulated a lot as a mom with two kids and two dogs. So just anything I can do in peace and quiet is my favorite thing to do. That sounds lovely. Uh, coffee or tea? Oh, coffee. And how, how do you take it? Do you like, what do you, 
Um, well, I use Almond Whip, which Taylor at Roots Reboot will judge me for and laugh at me because <laughs> <laughs> she lives in Australia and no, I guess it's like blasphemy to ruin your coffee with any type of whipped cream, <laughs> but try it. Almond whip in your coffee is delicious. That <laughs> and that's delicious. it. We just, we just use Dunkin' Donuts coffee and I put a little almond whip in there, stir it and it's delicious. Love it. Okay. My personal favorite, and I'm sure this is going to be your favorite question too, but what is your favorite home cooked meal? Ooh, uh, my it mom's could be something. Tabbouleh. Yeah. My mom's tabbouleh. I will say my mom's tabbouleh with her makuba, and then maybe um, what's another dish that she makes? Uh, her pita bread. Anything my mom makes, mm. honestly. Yeah, yeah. is like a rice dish. I recently learned when I was watching Anthony Bourdain that it is, <laughs> um, it is specific to Palestine. I didn't know that. I didn't know makuba was a Palestinian dish. I thought it was just a Middle Eastern dish. Um, so my mom's makuba tabbouleh salad and. Her lentil soup. Yeah. I'm going to call my mom after that. Sounds really good. I love imagine that you went with all stuff your mom makes. That's what I always tell people. I'm like, it doesn't have to be something you make. Like, and then everyone's like, oh, if it's not something I make, and they go immediately to like, you know, their homey recipes that just make them feel like a little kid again. Absolutely. Adju, where can anyone follow you, learn more, work with you? Um, Um, Where can they connect? They have two options. I have my personal account is Working Mom Nutrition on Instagram. And then my business account, Roots Reboot. Roots Reboot is where I work with a team of dietitians. That's basically where Working Mom Nutrition was born. Um, And I love... I love my Roots Reboot team. I love my personal followers on Working Mom Nutrition Instagram. So please follow along and you will literally see my daily messy life if you do follow along. Yes. I highly, highly recommend you to follow Maggie. It's always entertaining, but again, just so realistic. Like you do, you feel like Maggie, after you watch your stories, you just had like a good conversation with a friend, even though you weren't actually talking. (laughs) That makes me so happy that that just makes my heart so full. And honestly, it's weird sometimes to think that I just share my life, but the number of positive messages that I've received over the years doing it just makes me want to keep doing it. Cause I'm like somebody out there. The needs motivation. To hear it. Yep. Yeah. It's the motivation to keep going. Cause it is hard sharing your life all the time. It is, it is, but it's worth it when you know, you're really making other moms and women feel good. Well, and you definitely are. Thank you so much, Maggie. I'm so glad we could connect again and hopefully we can do this again soon. Yes. Thank you so much. This week's actionable step is to pick one thing each day that prioritizes you. Maybe that's just having some quiet time to yourself, exercising, reading, or making a delicious meal. Whatever you choose, choose it solely for you to help fill up your cup. Because if our cups aren't full as moms, we can't fill up anyone else's. Thank you for listening to Naturally Well by Nordic Naturals. And remember, you can catch some of our episodes of the podcast on our Naturally Well YouTube channel. For something to do in between episodes, follow me on Instagram at livewellwithkate, where I typically live on my stories, providing a variety of daily health and wellness tips. Naturally Well is hosted by myself, Kate Turner, and produced by Andrew Steven. If you have any questions, please send us an email at podcast at nordicnaturals.com, and we hope to answer your question on air. If you like this show, please tell a friend, share an episode, and leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time.